Artistry is so important to explore because it inspires so much of yourself to be more than you know of yourself. Welcome to Beyond the Fourth Wall. In this weekly podcast, we're investigating how the skills we cultivate as theater artists transfer beyond our theater industry. I'm Lindy Franklin Smith, the artistic director of the Lexington Theater Company. And I'm Joseph Wrightson, the creative media designer for the Lex. Each week, we'll conduct guest interviews with creatives from across many different industries. And every couple of episodes, I'll hop in with Lindy for a conversation, connecting the dots, finding the through line, and learning how to apply those theater skills to our everyday lives. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you're ready to go Beyond the Fourth Wall. Hey, y'all. From Lindy and I here at Beyond the Fourth Wall, we wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. We hope you have a wonderful time celebrating this very special time of the year when we give thanks for the many blessings in our life. And one of our blessings is all of you listeners. We are so grateful for all of you. Thank you for tuning in and supporting Beyond the Fourth Wall and the Lexington Theater Company. From all of us here at the Lex and from Joseph and Lindy... Happy Thanksgiving! Our guest today is Lexington's own Rebecca Covington Weber. Rebecca is an accomplished musical theater actress recently appearing in the national tour of Hamilton as well as the Broadway companies of Motown the Musical and Beautiful, the Carol King Musical. Today, we're talking about Rebecca's Kentucky roots and how it all began, what it's like to share scenes with Hamilton creator Lin-Manuel Miranda, as well as her advice to young people aspiring to achieve their dreams. Please welcome Rebecca. Rebecca Covington Weber, welcome to the Lex. Welcome to Beyond the Fourth Wall. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to finally have you here at the Lexington Theater Company. You have been such a busy lady working on Broadway, all these national tours. And every time I call you and say, Rebecca, will you come and perform at the Lex? And you're like, I would if I could, but there's this little show called Hamilton I've got to go into. <laughs> yeah. You are so in demand, and I am just so excited to finally have you here, even if we're Zooming across the miles. I I'd love to also just say uh, welcome home. Thank you. Of course, Lexington, <laughs> Kentucky is your home, and your Lexington family and this Lexington community loves you so much. So one of these days, we will get you back on the stage here at the Opera House. I'll be there. I'll be there with bells on. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, actually, I would love to sort of start at the very beginning, back in Lexington, Kentucky, where you grew up, and talk about your love for the theater. Of course, I know your dad so well, and he loves the theater. 
Is that where, where did it come from? How did you get introduced to this magical musical theater that we do? This magical musical theater. Yeah. I went to Scapa. I started going to Scapa in the fourth grade playing violin. And so I was a violin major. But the awesome thing about being at Scapa was whatever art form you wanted to be involved in, there was room. I just remember auditioning for the musical How to Eat Like a Child in fourth grade, and I did not get it. (laughs) So I think my first show at Scapa was in fifth grade. Um, I was a pirate in Peter Pan. There was something about it that was just undeniable for my spirit and for my brain and my body. And it just, it felt like such a special thing and an art form that I no longer wanted to live without. And so it was really exciting for me that I felt like I could be a full artist at Scapa in terms of playing violin, doing dance class, doing the musicals. There was time for everything, which I have learned is not real life. Um, But it was such a creative play space. And it was just like, you know, I was in this sandbox of artistry and not muffled in any way. And so it really allowed me to explore um, freely. And that's where I fell in love with doing music theater because I, no one told me I couldn't, you know, and, and no one told me, oh, there's not time for that. Or, you know, we, we don't allow you to do two art forms. You have to choose one. I just was able to freely be like, yeah, I feel like doing it. Okay. Yeah. I feel like doing that too. And they were so encouraging and the artistry that they fostered there just allowed me to fall in love in a way that I hadn't realized was opportune for me before. I love what you said, the sandbox of artistry, this sort of safe, beautiful, comforting space to just be a kid and just play what a beautiful image. And I love what you're saying about the power of exploring multiple disciplines at one time. It's something that here at the Lex in our artist development program, we talk about so much about calling ourselves theater artists and not being necessarily defined by one medium or genre or another. And I love that that is exactly what helped you fall in love with the art form. If you're able to explore, I feel like you're able to find such a clearer path and saying, oh, I'll try this path. Oh no, I'm going to try that path because then you're, you're just in all these pivots and I feel like it could be so confusing, but yeah, being able to explore fully was really a blessing for me. And you know, another thing that we are so interested in exploring in this podcast is how that sandbox of artistry might translate even for people who come through that training who who don't decide to do what you do and become a theatrical professional but what do you think about the power of giving kids that beautiful safe space to create no matter where they want to go for their career it's so interesting we're working with our niece right now for auditioning for scapa in theater and so we're working with her on a monologue which is so weird to work with an eight-year-old on an actual monologue (laughs) But, you know, I feel like it teaches you the power to be yourself and more, not only in that space, but in other spaces. So like, she's so free with like, that's my niece, but I'm getting to know her in such a different way while working with her on words that someone else wrote. And it's not really about that. It's just about exploring her freedom as a child, as an adventurer 
as an Imagineer. And so it's really cool to see her in that light. So I feel like arts training, theater training, artistry is so important to explore because it inspires so much of yourself to be more than you know of yourself. I think that's really cool to sit in and to watch, especially an eight-year-old. But I know that she'll take that with her. I hope that she feels free to be free with us in a different way. You know, I, I hope that we put on shows in the house, in the living room when we come to visit, you know, because we haven't done that because we haven't explored that. But now that she has an audition, we're exploring that side. And it's just really cool to see her elevate her imagination and elevate her self-confidence standing in front of a Zoom, which is wild to do an audition at that age over Zoom and being able to see herself and not critique herself, not look at how her body's moving and how her arms are moving, but it's literally just, I'm going to do this because this is what we're going to do on this Zoom. And so it really just expands her inner self to just make a larger presence in her outer self. And I love watching her bloom in that way. So beautifully said, so beautifully said, blooming that inner self to the outer self. That's so so resonant for me. I want to go back to what you said about putting on shows in the living room. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know that was like one of my favorite pastimes yes. as a child. It yes. was, you know, how many different musicals can I recreate <laughs> in the living room? And I know you have such an artistic family. Tell me about your living room musicals. Did you do that as a kid? Well, my living room musicals were a bit solo <laughs> because we have a very musical family, but it was all instruments. So we would play a lot of instruments together, but a lot of my musical shows was like, watch me do this. And I would, something would be on the TV and I'm doing it with them. It wasn't necessarily all of us creating all together. We're also a very busy household. So it's like we had to keep, you know, everyone had to keep doing what they needed to do. It was like violin practice. There was cooking, there was working, there were, there were, there were things. Also at home, none of that was discouraged. It was always like, okay, yeah, go do, put it on, sing, cool, yeah, on key, off key, whatever, let's do it, let's hear it, okay, yep, close, try again tomorrow. And so like, <laughs> but it was always fostered and encouraged in a way that like, I didn't know was maybe abnormal. It was always like, go do it, try it. You may like it, I don't know, you may sit down, you may pass out, you may keep going, just not too late. But it was never like, it was never don't do that, you know? So powerful, such a powerful message to maybe any of our listeners out there who are raising kiddos. Um, and I know you're about to be raising a kiddo very yes! soon. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And pray for my don't do that spirit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see the living room musicals at the Weber household. I mean, come Oh, they're going to be massive. Oh, they're going to be. We've already talked about making up songs and making up things and like, Oh, how did your dad tell you to brush your teeth growing up? Oh, well, my dad's saying it to me this way. Oh, how did you learn the ABCs? So we've already like started all those conversations. So I can't, I mean, I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Well, and listeners, if if you don't know, if you don't know, Rebecca's husband, Donald Weber Jr. is also a brilliant musical theater artist playing Aaron Burr in Hamilton. So what a talented family. Oh, my goodness. So, so cool. Well, we, we wish you both and sweet baby Weber, of course, all the best. Thank you so much. Let's jump to that moment when you said, okay, 
I've been exploring this musical thing. I love it. I'm putting on shows in my living room. I'm exploring at Scapa. What was the moment when you said, I think I want to make a career of this? I think I want to do this after high school, after college. Yeah, so I think there were a couple things that kind of merged to culminate to that decision. I was in Central Kentucky Youth Orchestras, and we took a trip to Europe. We did like a small tour around Europe, playing around Europe. And while we were there, we got to see two shows on the West End. We got to see West Side Story and Miss Saigon. And it was first seeing West Side Story that was really like life-changing to me. Seeing that level of performance and feeling that level of joy and having them converge in my spirit in that way was like... I will never forget it. And then that helicopter coming on stage in Miss Saigon. Who like, can forget it, right? Who can forget it? Oh my it? gosh. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, just the feeling of walking on cloud nine coming out of there and also knowing the feeling of what it feels like on the other side of that. And and then as an audience member, knowing this is this is the gift I'm able to be a part of to give to people. That was Mountain Peak One. Mountain Peak Two was, was going to Governor's School for the Arts. And working with what I viewed as professionals and other people who were like, oh, we're going to do this. And then there was like a college fair and there were like different colleges. And I was like, you can go to college for this? Like you can, you can do this, you know, because in my head I was going to play violin. Like, you know, it's not that I felt like there was another option. I just didn't know that people went to college for this. I was like, oh, you pay money to like learn how to do this and like you do this? So it was there that I learned about Belmont University, and that's where I ended up going. We went down there, down to Nashville to tour the campus. It was really just a faith adventure for me because I did not really see people that looked like me doing what I wanted to do. And so I was like, but I, I think I can do it. I think, I think there's a path to figure it out. And so it was really seeing the shows on the West End, going to governor's school and realizing there was another level to this journey that I wanted to explore and knowing that this was something that I I did not want to move forward in life without. Like I wanted to do this. In summary, a big turning point was being in the audience and seeing how it affected me watching what I wanted to do. And now that you're on the flip side of it and you have tread the Broadway boards and you've been touring the country. Do you ever have those moments where you walk out on stage and you think about that little Rebecca out in the audience who's maybe watching for the first time? And Uh-oh. every show, literally every show. And it's such a special thing. And it's why I'm usually pretty gung ho about, oh, yeah, I'll speak. Oh, yeah, I'll meet. I did not have access to someone who looked like me doing what I wanted to do. And I'm not saying that they want it to be (laughs) artists their whole life, but I want them to know that I'm accessible. I want them to know that, oh yeah, I mean, I wasn't able to stand at the stage door at your age because we didn't have a stage door, but I'm happy to meet you at this one. It's really cool to see so many young girls of color, but also just so many kids of color come dressed as these Hamilton cast members. Because also, like as a black woman, I don't get to stand center stage and be a vulnerable actress. I don't get to normally stand center stage and be able to express extreme joy and extreme grief and then get to close a show with the spotlight on me, just expressing raw emotion. And so I don't take that for granted. So then meeting the kids at the end and meeting 
not just really young kids, but just even kids in college who are like, I can't believe it. And it's like, I almost can't believe it as well that we're able to represent ourselves on stage in this way. And so I just don't take any of that for granted. And I carry them with me literally in every single performance. And I can't look out at the audience because I get weepy very quickly. It does not take much. And so like, it's really, really cool to be able to connect with especially the kids. Well, you're getting me weepy over here. The story so beautiful and and so inspiring and and in case listeners in case you didn't quite grasp onto what she was talking about there yes that is the role of Eliza Hamilton that she was talking about and uh, and you're out on the and Peggy tour yes i am in non covid times of course pre pandemic and you cover all the Skylar sisters. I do. I do. (laughs) That is quite a job keeping track of all of those parts. And if I'm right, some ensemble tracks as well. I did. I've since moved to the principal standby, but when I first started the show, I covered one of the ensemble tracks as well. Well, fellow swing and understudy to fellow swing and understudy that, that show, the first time that I watched it, of course, I was just taking it in for the glorious genius masterpiece that it is. But I was also thinking, this show has to be so hard to swing and to understudy. The turntable, all of the entrances, the exits, the timing is so specific. I'm fast forwarding a little, so we may jump back. But now that we're on Hamilton, let's just go. Tell me about the journey into the show. How did it happen? What was rehearsal like? What was it like learning the show? So the journey into the show was just, it's like being shot out of a cannon. What's so beautiful about the creative team of Hamilton, their expectations are so high, but they're humans. And so they're like, some days you have it and some days you don't. And that's okay. When you don't have it, you look to your people across the stage and you're like, give me something to work with. So they don't expect you to be superhuman, but they do expect you to be present 100% of the time that you're telling the story. The original track that I was cast for in the tour was an added track that wasn't on Broadway at the time. I actually don't think it's still on Broadway, but it's in every tour now because there wasn't enough coverage for the Schuyler Sisters. And originally there was a global Schuyler Sister swing that would like do the show in Chicago one night, and then she would be in New York the next day, and then she would fly. And so... Once we knew we were going to be in California and there were five companies, they added the Swing Woman 5 track, which is what I originated in my tour. And so we covered Woman 5 and all the Schuyler sisters. I auditioned at the end of October and got the job like the next day. And then it was like, oh, we start rehearsals in two weeks. And I was like, got it. And so then while we're learning the principal music, they're like, oh, um, our Eliza is an alum. She won't be here for five weeks. So you'll be full-time Eliza. And I was like, Okay. Got it. (laughs) Literally, it's like feet to the fire. And like, but that's the name of the game with that show with the mid show swing ons and like, all the things that you go through, because the show is just the show. And so, um, so I thankfully, I was able to learn the show on my feet my first track. So that made the other tracks a bit easier, because it was like, I understood the deck, I understood the language, I understood one track. And so if it, this is a sister track and they're a bit side by side, okay, that makes sense to me because I've done it on my feet. So I was able to rehearse with our cast, sometimes Lynn, when he was in and out of rehearsals. 
So it was great to learn the show on my feet. Now, where I hit murky waters is adding a second track into my brain. Because <laughs> I was like, now, how do you do that? And then it was like, okay, and here's your third track. And it was like, all while performing your first track at night, you're going to learn these tracks. So it really wasn't the rehearsal process that I had to stop and say, wait a second, what am I doing? How do I do this for me? Um, it was really adding those other tracks in that was like really tough. And that's when you really had to like, okay, so you're going to be rehearsing and learning Angelica during the day. You'll be performing Eliza at night, but also kind of keep an eye on Peggy Mariah because that's your next track. And it was like, whew. But you did it. But you did it. And wow. I mean, let's just talk about the skill set, not just your technique as an actor and as a singer and as a dancer, but also the mental focus, the ability to concentrate. And I know I remember from learning multiple tracks. And by the way, listeners, if you're not in the theater, when we're saying tracks, we're not talking about like a track on the floor. We're talking about each character kind of has its own track around the stage and backstage. And it truly is like a roller coaster. <laughs> you got to get on. But but uh, but the clarity, the preparedness, what do you think you've learned from that experience of having to learn so much information so quickly, process it, and stay cool all at the same time? I first learned a lot of patience for and with myself. You know, when you're a swing or an understudy, you don't get to have the reps. And then all of a sudden, you're expected to do five shows in a row, 10 shows in a row all while being at the theater all day, cold. <laughs> so the first big lesson was patience for myself. The next big lesson was to see myself as I know, as the powerhouse that I know that I am, instead of seeing myself through a false lens. Because imposter syndrome is real. And there were times that I'd be like, oh, my voice just cracked. You're a human. You're an actual human doing a live show. Voices crack. I had to take myself out of whatever box at whatever time I built around myself. And I don't know if that was seeing breakdowns. I don't know if that was hearing other people sing material that I was singing or, you know, fear. I'm sure it's a combination of all of them. But at some point I built this box and I did not allow myself to come out of said box until I had to. And then I couldn't wait to get out of the self-quarantined box. It was really just feet to the fire for me. And it taught me patience, grace, tenacity, grit, fight. What was really cool is seeing all of what I knew I needed to do happen on stage. Sometimes I couldn't think about, okay, what's next? But I knew what was next because I had committed full out to the rehearsal process, to the learning process, to simple things as in rehearsal. I never did things except full out. In rehearsal, I was like, okay, cool. Here we are. This is how I will perform it. And then all of a sudden you go to perform it and you're like, this is second nature. But it's second nature because my foundational building blocks and process had some weight to it. So I have something to stand on when I go here. And so it was a lot of trusting myself, trusting the process, and going all in, 
I feel like sometimes you feel silly. It's like, they're not singing full out, so I'm not going to sing full out. No, you're going to get all these notes, okay? And you're going to get them full out every single time my mouth opens because that's what I have to do for me. If that works for you, that's great. But I can't put my process on your process and then expect myself to succeed. I have to learn my process and I have to do what I need to do for me. And then we'll all converge on stage and I'm not going to run into you. Do you know why? Because I did it full out. (laughs) So finding what I needed for me and trusting that road for myself. No one had to come down it with me. I didn't need anybody to walk me down it. I just had to figure it out. I love what you said. Trusting myself, trusting the process and going all in. I mean, that is such incredible advice to any aspiring theater artist. But Rebecca, that is such amazing advice for any young person thinking or any person of any age, let's be honest, pursuing anything, trusting yourself, trusting your process with it, and then committing and going for it. I don't know any other way. Life experiences have taught me that. I want to take what I've been blessed with and be a good steward of that. If I don't trust my process, then I'm not a good steward. And I don't ever want that on my back. If I messed up, I want it to be because there was a brain fart or something. I don't want to mess up and be like, I didn't prepare for that. I never want that on my back. I love that. Being a steward of the gifts you've been given. That is so beautifully said. So I have to ask a tough question. You've played all the Skylar sisters. Oh, man. You know know what's coming. (laughs) You know what's coming. I already have my answer (laughs) because I get this all the time. Well, tell us, do you have a favorite? So my answer to this question, and it is completely honest, it's what whichever one I'm playing at the time, because the thing is, they're all so incredible. And so I think I have a favorite. I'll be like out there as Eliza. And I'm like, you know what? This is it. I love this. This is awesome. Until I'm like giving you all of the beats and satisfied. And I'm like, you know what? This is it. I think what's incredible about the show, all three women are so strong. They're written so well. They have such meaty material that I feel like once you're all in and if you're just 100% present and doing the work, it's really hard for me to choose one. I love all three of them just from watching it. I do want to talk about maybe your first time on as Eliza. (laughs) With Lynn in Puerto Rico that time? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that time. One of the things that we talk about, we've talked about a lot on this podcast, is stepping out on a limb, taking that big risk. And I can only imagine, because I remember what my, as a swing and an understudy, what my first times on felt like, and just the adrenaline, the emotion, And then you're playing opposite Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, So talk me through what that was like and how you stepped through that journey. When we were scheduled in Puerto Rico, we had to move theaters. It changed our schedule. That made us have nine show weeks. And so they offered all the principals a swing out. So it was a paid swing out. And then it offered all of the understudies because a lot of us had learned the show on our feet, um, a chance to go on for our first tracks. And so they were like... If you want it, cool. If you don't, cool. But you don't have to do nine show weeks. The young lady, Julia, playing Eliza, she was very gracious. She was like, do you want to go on? And I was like, of course I want to go on. Yes, if you find it in your generous spirit in order to allow that. 
I would be most thankful and my family will be here on Wednesday. And there, she was like, okay. <laughs> and so um, she was like, okay. And I think I found out Tuesday that she was going to take Wednesday night off for me as the first, I wanted to like sleep all day Wednesday, steam Wednesday morning. I wanted to do my vocal warm up on my phone with my voice teacher. Like, you know, I wanted to do all the things, but I had to be at the theater the whole time. And so it was like, I'm sure I was like nervously pacing around. I I remember the music director was like, what are you going to do all day? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I was like, do not ask me that. It's because it was just like sitting there like waiting, you know, I was like, Okay, cool. I had to try on the burn dress because I had never gotten down on the ground in the dress and then gotten up. And that was, I was like, I do not want to trip getting up off of the floor in this dress. Isn't it funny? It's like the things like that. You're like, I'm fine on the song, but it's the standing up and sitting down. I got to rehearse. Yeah. (laughs) I had to have like fire rehearsal and like how to burn the thing. Cause all the things that you do on stage, I had never rehearsed. And so I did not tell my family that I was going on that night. I let them find out when they, when they got to the theater And I just remember when Lynn was doing the show, he would come out and in the opening and when he would make his entrance, I think there was probably a minute and a half applause. So I remember I was facing upstage and I just took breaths because I was like, well, okay, because my line is next after this applause. And so it was like, all right, just take some deep breaths. So I remember taking deep breaths in a corset. (laughs) (laughs) So they weren't super deep. And, you know, I don't believe that I even dropped into the show. I'm not sure that I put my feet to the ground until um, that would be enough when it was just Lynn and I on stage because it was looking into his eyes. And the great thing about Lynn is he plays fair. Like when he's on stage, he's on stage with you. He's not this like superpower. I mean, you do look at him and you're like, you're a genius. You wrote this. I hope I'm singing all of the notes that you put on paper. But he doesn't, that's not how he plays. He's literally your scene partner on stage, period. I dropped in when it was just me and him on stage and he's just looking at me and we're once again in our sandbox playing. And it was like, oh, we're here. You're with me. I'm with you. Okay, got it. Let's tell this story. I mean, unfortunately, it took me a little while to get there, but um, we're eye to eye. He was the literally the most comforting part at that moment. But it was just, it was the show. And, you know, it was about telling the story on this incredible island and doing what we came there to do. And there was a lot of like hoopla. Yeah, it's my first time going on, but it was also like, yeah, but this is what you've been blessed with in this moment. What are you going to do with it? You know, you could be a ball of nerves and not be present, or you could just step step by step through this moment and take it all in for what it is. What an amazing story, first of all. What an incredible moment. But once again, Rebecca, what incredible advice for anybody stepping into that situation that feels, whoa, this feels big, this feels heavy, this feels a lot, I'm feeling the pressure, but I am just going to rely on the gifts I have been given and step forward with courage knowing I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Rebecca, there are so many more questions I have for you. We're going to have to have you back another time because I feel like we're just getting started. But I do, I have two more things I want to fit in before our before our time is up. One, you've had such a prolific career. I mean, we've only been talking about Hamilton, but beautiful, Motown. I mean, so many Broadway shows, so many tours. 
from that little girl in Lexington, Kentucky, playing the violin, to now this accomplished, incredible actress. What advice do you have for young people who might be interested in following in your footsteps? And specifically, because I know you talked about how impactful it was for you as a child, not necessarily always seeing people who looked like you up on the stage. What advice might you have for young boys, young girls, young men, young women of color who are excited about finding their way into this beautiful musical theater world that we're in? I think I'd start with find your fight. This business can can be brutal, but I don't find my nucleus to be in the heart of the business. You know, I know who I am outside of the business and that's a big part of my fight. You know, there's a lot of no's, there's a lot of yeses, and you just got to balance them out with what you need to do for you. I don't think my yeses are higher than anybody else's yeses. And I don't think my no's are any lower than anybody else's no's. And it's just a part of the journey. But I'll say, watch your words because (laughs) words have a lot of power It's been important to me to speak life into my career, to speak life into who I am as a woman, as an artist, as a soon-to-be mom, and to know that whatever you want to do, you can do it. You just have to stay the course. And I think it's so important to not play the end, but to see the end. If you can see it, you can get there. You just have to know where you're headed. It's all about the journey. It's all about the process. And I think that's what's scary for a lot of people is it's not destination to destination a lot of times. I am so blessed to be a part of Hamilton, so blessed to have Broadway shows behind my belt, but those shows are closed. (laughs) Like, you know, and right now Hamilton's not on the road and it will be back, but this is the process. And, you know, there's a lot of pivots to the process. There's a lot of malleability that you have to have in the process and you have to trust the process. And so I would just say, find your fight, trust the process and watch them words. (laughs) Such good (laughs) advice. And once again, I think whether they want to go into theater or anything, such good advice, such good advice. Okay. One more question. This is a tough one. Okay, 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 okay. Here on this podcast, we have been really looking at the parallels between our industry and other industries and looking at the ways that the skills that we cultivate as theater artists can translate past those footlights. This entire conversation with you has been such a parallel. I think all the beautiful nuggets of wisdom that you're sharing can translate into so many, so many mediums, so many genres. If you had to pick one thing, though, one thing, (laughs) what would you say is something, the one thing that you've learned as a theater artist that you think might serve you best beyond the fourth wall? Ah, um... I think it's my tenacity because I, I've, I've learned that in doing shows. I've learned that I've learned to fight for myself and to scratch and claw, not negatively, (laughs) but you know, to not give up, you know, yes, we do learn shows collectively. We do rehearse collectively, but a lot of that is on your own. A lot of that is what are you going to look like tomorrow? What are you going to look like you worked on last night? 
How are you going to improve? I'm able to take that into other areas in my life um, in terms of fighting for myself, in terms of finding the best coupon for anything that I'm looking to buy at the time. (laughs) In terms of, you know, I just feel like that, that tenacious spirit that is fostered in my artistry is able to serve me well in so many other areas in my family life, in my, you know, survival job life. I feel defeat, but I don't live in defeat. And I think I find myself able to rebound and fight and continue to fight because I just don't believe that defeat is a land that I'm destined to live in ever. And so, you know, I'll feel it. We'll go there. Cool. Cry. It's okay. Tomorrow's a new day. What do you want tomorrow to show about the night that you had before? How hard did you work? What did you do? How hard did you fight? So beautifully said. So much wisdom, so much brilliant advice for all of our listeners. Rebecca Covington Weber, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I hope you know how much your entire Lexington, Kentucky community is so proud of you. And it has been so amazing to just watch you soar and to watch you fly. And uh, we can't wait to have you home one of these days. We wish you and Donald and baby Weber so much love and joy. You just enjoy this season of life and uh, we can't wait to have you back with us. Thank you so much. To find out more about Rebecca Covington Weber, follow her on Instagram at RoRoWeb. R-O-R-O-W-E-B-B. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying your time with us going beyond the fourth wall, we hope you also might want to join us Behind the Curtain. This new exciting event from the Lexington Theatre Company kicks off Saturday, December 5th, 2020 with a trip behind the curtain to explore the holiday classic White Christmas. Join us for this interactive Zoom event where we'll have performances from Broadway cast members and an interactive Q&A with cast members and creative team members from the Broadway company. You won't want to miss this exciting event where you can commune with your fellow theater goers online and experience the magic of storytelling from the comfort of your own home. And if you're in the central Kentucky area, you'll want to add on our special white Christmas inspired dinner to go from Chef Weta Michael. You'll be able to order online and pick up at Zim's prior to the event. For all the information and to purchase tickets, visit us at lexingtontheatercompany.org. We're so glad you joined us Beyond the Fourth Wall. To find out more about the Lexington Theatre Company, visit our website, lexingtontheatercompany.org, and follow us on social media at the Lex Theatre Co. Be sure to check out our brand new artist development program at the Lex. This online learning platform offers classes for third graders through professionals as we discover and empower the artist within. You might also enjoy monthly motivations, 
free monthly classes for third graders through professionals. Find out more at our website and we hope you'll join us here at the Lex. Thank you.